fill their trunk up with weed or something. My wife doesn't use pot. Um, anyway, they pulled her over three times. Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Alright, good day Tokers and Tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, January 26, 2016 And it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world Actually, it's closer to 420 than it usually is for me Because I'm in the mountain time zone right now I am in the island of prohibition known as Idaho Sitting here at the headquarters of New Approach Idaho in Boise Say hi, New Approach Idaho so we've actually got a live audience, too. This is going to be a great show. Joining us on the show today at half past, we have got Leap Speaker Inga Frickland, and we have also got Bill Espenson, and we've got, uh, uh, are you going to be on? Sarah Frank will be on the show, too. we got a lot of Idahoans to talk to today. We are here for a very special event that just suddenly became a little more special over the last couple of hours. As you know, I was flown out here uh, to participate in a marijuana town hall. It was uh, set up by Students for Sensible Drug Policy at Boise State, as well as as New Approach Idaho, and it's supposed to be a town hall on the discussion of marijuana reform in this state, which, by the way, the state of Idaho is one of nine remaining states that have absolute prohibition. That's right. No decrim, no CBD oil, no medical marijuana, no legalization. One of nine remaining states with absolute prohibition. And we wanted to talk a little bit about that. So this town hall meeting was set up. And for weeks now, they've been in touch with uh, Elisha. Is it Alicia? Alicia Figueroa, the Idaho State drug czar, basically. And uh, representatives from the Idaho State Police were also going to be here at this event. But we just got word this morning, 10 in the morning, that the Idaho State Drug Czar is bowing out, and we got word uh, at 1230 that the Idaho State Police are bowing out, and they're citing the fact that we're stacking the uh, event with pro-marijuana radical speakers, uh, referring to myself and uh, referring to uh, Inga from Leap, so... Uh, you know, it's probably better for them that they're not trying to pass off their reefer madness with me and Inga on the same stage because uh, viral videos can be very, very embarrassing. But we're going to go ahead with the event. So we will be there tonight at the uh, Jordan Student Union Ballroom at Boise State University, my alma mater, at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. We will live stream the event as well right here on CannabisRadio.com. So make sure you tune in for that. So we got all sorts of stuff to talk about on today's show with respect to uh, marijuana reform here in the state of Idaho. You know, like I said, the state is surrounded. They've got legal marijuana to the west in Oregon and Washington. They're about to have legal marijuana south of them in Nevada. They've got legal CBD that looks to be merging or morphing into a more uh, advanced medical marijuana program. The governor of Utah signaling that he'd be open for more reforms with medical marijuana, more access to it, even 
even the state of Wyoming has CBD oil for epileptic kids. And of course, the country of Canada to their north is about to go completely legal. So Idaho will literally be an island of prohibition surrounded by reform. We'll talk all about that on today's show and on our event that's happening at 7 o'clock Mountain Time here in Boise, Idaho. But before we get to all of that, we've got to get to our cannabis radio news. And in the news today, we have got some interesting stories for you coming out of St. Louis, where they're finally opening up a medical marijuana dispensary there. California Senate is approving a slowing of these uh, medical marijuana bans. And uh, New York Senate passing some legislation on synthetic cannabinoids and Kansas Senate still uh, kind of uh, dragging their feet when it comes to considering any sort of marijuana proposal. Speaking of those nine states that have absolute prohibition, Kansas is another one of them, as well as Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, Indiana, and West Virginia. And they say marijuana affects your short-term memory. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got your Cannabis Radio news for you. Make sure you pay attention to the sponsors that are bringing you this program here on CannabisRadio.com. And this, of course, is my first travel gig of 2016, what is sure to be many, many more travel gigs. Follow me at Radical Russ everywhere on social media if you'd like to keep up on where I will be next. The news is coming up next. Stick around. This is the Russ Belville Show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. 
It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, January 26, 2016. A Kansas Senate committee isn't ready to endorse a narrow medical marijuana proposal. The Corrections and Juvenile Justice Committee voted Tuesday to forward a medical marijuana bill to the full Senate without a recommendation on whether it should pass. The measure would allow therapeutic hemp oil to be used in treating seizures. Republicans who control the panel expect the measure to be sent to another committee that handles health issues. The medical marijuana proposal had been tied to another proposal to lessen criminal penalties for first and second time marijuana possession. The House passed a single bill covering both subjects last year. The Senate Corrections Committee split the measures into two bills. It approved the one lowering penalties for marijuana possession and sent it to the full Senate for debate. New York Senate has passed legislation intending to define and prohibit the sale of synthetic cannabinoids. Also called synthetic marijuana, bill sponsors say the synthetics, which attach to the same brain receptors as actual marijuana, can be dangerous. Senator Jeff Klein, a Bronx Democrat, says currently packets of synthetic cannabinoids and other synthetic drugs are sold at bodegas or other stores for around $4 each. He says that under the current law, stores only face a possible $250 fine. Deirdre Cannaday, an advocate for the legislation, says her 26-year-old son died in 2011 after smoking synthetic marijuana. She says it suppressed his central nervous system. He fell asleep and never woke up. Seattle Seahawks fullback Derek Coleman told police that he had taken synthetic marijuana before a hit-and-run accident that injured another motorist in October. Coleman, who faces felony hit-and-run and vehicular assault charges, swerved into another vehicle in Bellevue, Washington on October 14, a collision that resulted in the overturning of both Coleman's Dodge pickup and the Honda Civic he rear-ended. Coleman ran from the scene barefoot before officers tracked him down nearby. Coleman told an officer that he had ingested Spice, an illegal and dangerous drug that has been linked to other current and former NFL players in recent years, including Buffalo Bills defensive end Marcel Darius and former Cleveland Browns and New York Jets tight end Kellen Winslow Jr. Synthetic cannabinoids are often herbs doused with chemicals to mimic the active ingredients of marijuana, albeit at much higher levels. The California Senate has approved a bill aimed at slowing a rush of cities and counties racing to get medical marijuana bans in place for cultivators. The Senate backed the measure in a 35-3 to vote on Monday, sending it to the Assembly. Assembly Bill 21 corrects what lawmakers say was a mistake in medical marijuana regulations that were adopted in the closing hours of last year's legislative session. A paragraph in that 70-page bill gave the state authority to license growers in jurisdictions that do not have their own laws on the books by March 1st. As a result, dozens of cities and counties have raced to enact bans on marijuana growing before the deadline to preserve local control over pot. The St. Louis First The St. Louis First Medical Marijuana Dispensary is slated to open in the city's Illinois suburbs. HCI Alternatives in Collinsville plans a grand opening at noon Monday at a retail location adjacent to the Illinois State Police's regional headquarters. A second St. Louis-era dispensary in the village of Saugat near East St. Louis is also expected to open soon. The state issued 23 dispensary licenses through mid-January, but has set a cap of 60 locations statewide in the four-year pilot project. 
Legal marijuana sales began in Illinois in early November. 17 of the 22 allowed cultivation centers have received state permission to grow medical marijuana indoors, including progressive treatment solutions in East St. Louis. When asked how he plans to ensure racial equality given history in office, Democratic presidential candidate and former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley said Monday that he decriminalized marijuana, banned the box for those with criminal records seeking state employment, and reduced the number of fatal police-involved shootings, saying, quote, I drove down fatal police-involved shootings to three of their four lowest years in Baltimore history, and as governor, I restored voting rights to 52,000 people. I decriminalized the possession of marijuana. I banned the box on people who were applying for state employment, O'Malley said during the Democratic presidential town hall in Des Moines, Iowa, on Monday. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, January 26, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Freedom Sounds Like, brought to you by Portland Oil. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at the state of Arizona and a piece from the Phoenix New Times that highlights a facet of marijuana prohibition that our guest today, Inga Frickland from Leap, will often say, and that is, when you want to know why marijuana is prohibited, just follow the money. The uh, story here by Ray Stern, our follow the money story today, is entitled, Potential Marijuana Legalization in Arizona threatens task drug treatment firms funding. Uh, I'll just read you a few paragraphs here. A Maricopa County nonprofit that makes much of its money off low-level marijuana offenders 
would take a big financial hit if Arizona voters legalize marijuana in November. The Treatment Assessment Screening Center, better known as TASC, contracts with the county to provide six months of mandatory drug treatment services for first or second time offenders who get busted for possession of illegal drugs. Task participants, with exceptions for low-income offenders, pay their own way for this program. If Arizonans vote yes on the Colorado-style legalization measure expected to be on the ballot next year, it would have a huge effect on TASC, the nonprofit CEO Doug Kramer acknowledges. TASC would need to seek out other court-ordered funding sources, quote, to counter the loss of operating revenue, end quote, Kramer says. The financial loss also could jeopardize a new task initiative that provides grants to local nonprofit groups working to fight substance abuse, he says. While legalization might make it harder for tasks to stay in business, cannabis consumers won't miss the program. As New Times reported earlier this month, experts believe that just 12 to 16 percent of the people who smoke marijuana regularly meet the American Psychiatric Association's criteria for dependency. That is, the vast majority of marijuana users aren't addicted and don't need treatment for their use of the plant. Yet they're still treated like hard drug abusers under the law. This is data that I've uncovered many times on the show from the treatment episode data set, the United States government survey of the drug rehabs that get money from federal sources. And those figures show us that 52% of the people who are referred to marijuana treatment are referred there by the criminal justice system. They are forced into rehab. They're not choosing to go to rehab. Marijuana amongst all the drugs people are in rehab for is the one that shows the lowest rates of self-admittance, the lowest rates of people who say that they need, they have a problem and they desperately want help. And we've also got a situation this country where people who do have serious drug problems with methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, alcohol, can't get into rehab because there's not enough beds open. Well, if you keep busting marijuana consumers because it's the most popular drug and it's easy to get an arrest, it's no surprise that you fill up your beds with pot smokers and then have no room left for the people with true addictions that really need help. Also, we've got to consider that there's an opportunity cost here whenever we are busting these people and putting them into rehabs and that it provides a false sense of success for the entire drug court system. If the drug courts want to come around and say how successful they are at getting people to stop using drugs, that number is severely uh, changed by the fact that many of the people in there don't have addictions. So, yeah, big surprise. You were able to get pot smokers to quit smoking pot when you threatened them with jail uh, if they fail a P-test. They couldn't have been that addicted in the first place if they can keep passing the P-test. In fact, 37% of the people in rehab for marijuana alone didn't even use marijuana in the month before they went to rehab. And another 17% of them used marijuana only one to three times in the month before they went to rehab. So continuing to rehab people for marijuana who don't need it is just a make-work program, a jobs program for cops, a make-work program for the rehabs, a statistics patter, a curve buster, whatever else you want to call it. But it's certainly not justice in the United States of America. That's for damn sure. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we will have more for you here from the New Approach Idaho. It's 20 after, and my 20 after uh, music was supposed to play, but it doesn't seem to want to play. So there we go. See? 
It's for change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. Thanks, President Carter. See, they're so nervous here in Idaho when 420 rolls around, my thing doesn't even want to play the 420 song. That's how bad it is here, folks. <laughs> We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have all sorts of discussion with the people here live at New Approach Idaho headquarters in Boise, Idaho. I'm Radical Russ. This is the Russ Belville Show, live from Idaho. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. We all know that prohibition was a disaster. It forced alcohol into the underground market where it was controlled by criminals and consumers did not know what they were getting. It made us a nation of hypocrites and lawbreakers. Marijuana prohibition has caused a lot of the same problems. That's why most Vermonters agree it's time for a more sensible approach. Tell your state senator it's time to end prohibition and start regulating marijuana in Vermont. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everybody, live from New Approach, Idaho. I'm Radical Russ, and today in the Drug War Data Mines, we're going to take a look at some of the figures uh, for the state of Idaho that uh, provide a lot of information on uh, what's going on here as far as their uh, needs in the marijuana field. And the first place I'd like to take a look at today is the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. This is the survey that has been done uh, by the United States government for years now that tells us what is the uh, basic drug use patterns of people in the uh, states and in the uh, nation. And one of the things that we're finding here is that the legalization of marijuana and the continued reform of marijuana laws are not leading to the fears that uh, people from law enforcement and other uh, prohibitionists have warned uh, would occur. The first thing we can take a look at is the use of marijuana, monthly use of marijuana by teenagers. And in this case, we're going to talk about people aged 12 to 17. So 12 gets counted as a teenager today. But for ages 12 to 17, we can go all the way back to 2002. Uh, we've got data that go back to 2002, asks the teenagers 
do how often do you use marijuana? And what they found is 8.2% of the teenagers in 2002 said they had used marijuana at least once in that past 30 days, about once that month, 8.2%. So that's 2002. Keep in mind, in 2002, there are only eight, uh, seven medical marijuana states. Nobody's legalized yet, right? So the argument is, if we keep legalizing, if we keep passing medical marijuana, the kids are going to think it's okay. They're not going to be afraid of it. They're going to use more pot. That's the argument, right? So as we look across these numbers, we can look at some of the years when changes happened. Like in 2008, when we saw more states passing medical marijuana laws, that figure of 8.2% is down to 6.7%. So... There was more legalization, there was more medical marijuana, and yet the numbers are down slightly. And then as we look to 2010, you've got Prop 19 that is uh, trying to pass in California. The number is about 7.4%, still not as high as the 8.2 that we started with in 2002. By 2012, you've got Washington and Colorado legalizing marijuana, and the teen rate stayed at about 7.2. And in 2014, you got Oregon, Alaska, and D.C. legalizing marijuana, and the rate stayed at 7.4%. Statistically speaking, even though we've seen these slight rise and fall, statistically it hasn't even been significant. It's not even worth mentioning. It's worth it's within the margin of error. So we have no more teenagers using marijuana now than we did before we started all of this medical marijuana and marijuana legalization throughout the United States of America. The next piece of data I like to look at when we talk about what about the children, is a survey called Monitoring the Future. And Monitoring the Future is an amazing study because it's been asking high school seniors since 1975 what they think about drug use, how harmful they think drug use is, and how often they're using drugs. And we're not just talking marijuana. We're talking alcohol, tobacco, uh, uh, all, all manner of other drugs, right? So... Let's take a look at some of this data. Uh, actually, before we get to monitoring the future, let me take a look at Idaho's data because those numbers I was telling you about uh, the no rise and fall were just nat- nationwide numbers. If we took take a look at the state of Idaho's numbers, now keep in mind, Idaho, is, like I said, is surrounded by states that are legalizing or medicalizing. They got Oregon and Washington with legal marijuana to their west. They got Nevada with medical marijuana and about to pass legalization to the south. They've got Utah with CBD oil to the south that looks like they may pass even more medical marijuana. Wyoming's got CBD oil to the east. Montana's got medical marijuana to the east. And to the north of them, a percent. Somehow, all these states around them passed all these reforms, and yet Idaho's use went down. And in 2013-2014, the year for which we have the latest data, 6.39% of kids in Idaho were using marijuana, even though all these states around them are legalizing it. So it doesn't seem like the the states around Idaho doing something about their drug laws has had any effect on the use of marijuana by those kids in the state of Idaho. In fact, Idaho seems to be below the U.S. average most of the time. Now let's get to that monitoring the future stuff. Monitoring the future, again, asks the kids, what do they think about pot? Do they think it's risky? How easy it is for them to get? Well, the numbers are there. When it comes to the perception of risk, 
How much do kids think pot is a scary, evil, terrible drug? The highest that ever ranked was 1991, when 78.6% of teens said that the regular use of marijuana was a dangerous, risky thing. Today, that figure is at its lowest rate ever, 31.9%. We went from over three out of four kids who thought pot was risky to less than a third of kids who thought who think pot is risky. Okay, Now, that's not really surprising when you consider back in 1991, they were telling us that smoking pot would turn your brain into a fried egg, make your cartoon dog very upset with you, and have your girlfriend leave you for an alien, right? So now that they know it's medicine, perhaps they're going to think it's less harmful than a fried egg. Not surprising. But the corollary of that from the prohibitionist standpoint is, aha, if the kids don't think it's risky, they're going to think it's okay to do. But that's not true. In 1990... 91% of the kids thought regular marijuana use was a bad thing. Today, 70% think it's a bad thing. So fewer kids think marijuana is bad. Fewer kids think it's risky. And fewer kids think it should be prohibited. And yet, fewer kids are using it than in the 1990s. So all of the predictions the drug warriors had that the kids would think it's less risky, they wouldn't think it's dangerous, they they would approve of it more, those have come true. But the result has not. The result has not. Fewer kids are using marijuana. And to me, the most important statistic we've got in this is their ease of access. Since 1975, the U.S. government has asked high school seniors, you know, talking kids 17, 18 years old, they've asked high school seniors, if you wanted to get a hold of some pot right now, how easy would that be? And the answers could be easy, fairly easy. Difficult, fairly difficult, impossible, right? They got a choice. Since 1975, that number has never been below 81.1%. More than four out of five high school seniors have said it's easy or fairly easy to get a hold of some pot. That number has gone as high as 90%. It was almost nine out of, it was more than nine out of 10 who said it was easy or fairly easy to get a hold of pot. This year, for the first time ever, in 40 years of asking the question, Fewer than four out of five kids say it's easy to get a hold of pot. Now, it's down to 79.5, so it's not, you know, a huge drop. But still, it's significant that for the first time in recorded history of asking the question, kids are finding it harder than ever, harder than ever to get a hold of some marijuana. Regulation, taxation, legalization works. Prohibition is the abdication of control over marijuana. Drug dealers don't check IDs. These things work, and the more that the legalization continues in the states that have legalized and the states that are about to legalize, the more these reefer madness lies fade away like smoke in the breeze. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, cops say legalize drugs. We got Inga Frickland joining us. She's a former assistant state's attorney in Chicago, Cook County, Illinois, now living in Bend, Oregon. She's going to talk to us about Leap's perspective on this from the from the point of view of people who've actually fought on the front lines of the drug war. Plus, we've got uh, Sarah Frank here and Bill Espenson, two great Idaho activists talking about new approach Idaho's fight for decrim medical Bell marijuana Show on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, 
handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. disturbing elements of the prohibition war is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers fortunately one group of police officers knows the futility of prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement today the russ belleville show visits with another speaker from law enforcement against prohibition with one clear message cops say legalized drugs Welcome back, everybody. It's 36 after the hour here in Boise, Idaho. And joining us live at New Approach Idaho is Inga Frickland. She's a former assistant state's attorney in Cook County, Illinois, and a current speaker for law enforcement against prohibition living in Oregon. Inga, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Glad to be on the show again. Uh, Some of our listeners will remember you from the Oregon battle to legalize marijuana, where you were one of two proponents for Measure 91, facing off against a district attorney and a rehab doctor in a televised legalization debate. How have things been since the debate for you? Well, it was certainly a fun debate. I think we won the debate, and even more important than that, Measure 91 passed in Oregon in 2014, and... Uh, Oregon's now one of four states that's legalizing marijuana for adults as well as medical. Looking at how it's turned out and, and the way that LEAP, you know, proposes we legalize drugs, do you feel like the the results are what you expected? Well, it's still shaking out in Oregon because the legislature is now looking at this. And there are certainly people still trying to roll it back, even though the state passed it. So it's going to be a little while before... Marijuana is really readily available for anybody who wants it legally. Yeah, and you would know that living in, you're in Bend, Oregon, right? Which is, uh, you know, uh, uh, Western Oregon, very friendly on this issue, but not so much in Central and Eastern. Well, Bend is just on the eastern side of the Cascades, so we're technically Central Oregon. But once you get to the east, out toward Burns, you know, which is, we're hearing about the Malheur. Uh, the Bundy militia? <laughs> yes, that's what we've got going on there. And in eastern Oregon, it's most of the cities and counties have voted, as they can under our law, to 
uh, to prohibit uh, the recreational use of marijuana, the retail sales, and also they're cutting back on the medical dispensaries. So people out in eastern Oregon are having to drive a 100 miles sometimes if they want to get what they can legally obtain as medical marijuana. Yeah, it's, it's such a shame. And we're here in Boise, Idaho today. Uh, I was invited a while ago to come to this uh, forum, this uh, town hall meeting, uh, sponsored by Students for Sensible Drug Policy at Boise State. We're going to have the Idaho State Police, the Idaho State Director of Drug Control Policy, a.k.a. the Idaho Drug Czar. And when they heard you were coming, uh, apparently when they heard you were coming, they uh, they canceled out. They bailed out. Inga, why are cops so afraid of you? Well, our organization is Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. We are all former cops, prosecutors, judges, probation officers, people who have actually been working inside the anti-drug world and realized that this has been a horrible mistake. And it's possible that people who are still fighting against drugs, maybe they don't want to be faced with some of the questions and the experience that uh, those of us also in the, formerly in the business are going to bring to the table. Yeah, I, I imagine they see professional pothead Radical Russ and they go, ah, well, we got this guy. But you get a former Cook County prosecutor, not the same deal, huh? No, not at all. I mean, getting labeled as some sort of strange radical. Hey, I'm a, I'm a 69-year-old grandmother and former prosecutor. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're way out there, Inga. You're, you're a crazed radical for what you believe. Uh, folks, check out Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. It's leap.cc, L-E-A-P dot C-C, or you can go to copsaylegalizeddrugs.com. They are probably one of two or three of the organizations that are the, the foremost leading the fight. And I think the foremost organization when it comes to the gravitas you can bring to this issue, uh, having been in law enforcement. So since you won't get to talk to them tonight, what would you like to tell Idaho State Police about this and, and where they're wrong and what they need to rethink? Well, there's so many different ways to look at this. I often hear from law enforcement that, oh, it's all about the kids. Well, that's 180 degrees wrong. Because right during the time that marijuana is illegal, it's real easy for kids to get their hands on the stuff. In fact, when I ask teenagers, hey, how is it possible for you to get some? And the usual answer is, yeah, do you want me to get some for you? <laughs> <laughs> so illegality means that all the sales and distribution is in the hands of criminals. And these are people who do not check ID. And they have also an interest in, hey, kid, if you wanted to try the marijuana, could we also interest you in some meth or some cocaine? Would you like some meth with that? Yes. <laughs> Just like wanting fries. Yeah. So as long as it's illegal, the kids are at risk. On the other hand, if it's made legal the way alcohol is, you know, alcohol is sold widely in all of our states. But is it easy for kids to buy it? Absolutely not, because clerks at liquor stores and grocery stores check ID. You you don't see anybody out at uh, children's playground saying, hey, do you want some Chardonnay? <laughs> I got box wine, man. I got Franzia. Come on, man, Franzia. <laughs> so the best way to protect kids is to legalize, which means the adults in the community, the responsible people, can regulate it. And I'm also a little suspicious when I hear law enforcement people saying, oh, how terrible this is. We've got to continue prohibition. Uh, you've heard the expression, follow the money. Yeah. 
And it's always a good idea to ask, what's the financial interest of the law enforcement types? There's a lot of federal money that goes to police departments and county sheriffs if they have drug programs. That hires some more officers who might either lose jobs or have to do something else with their time if marijuana were legalized. There's also something called the 1033 program, which is the Defense Department, the Pentagon, passing out for free surplus military equipment specifically for fighting the drug war. And there are small jurisdictions all over the country, like Nampa in Idaho, who've got MRAPs, these mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicles, which I had previously seen only when I worked in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, This is insane to say that Officer Friendly needs this. There's also something called civil asset forfeiture, where if there's even a suspicion, it doesn't take a a, uh, conviction, if there is cash or vehicles or sometimes even a boat or a house found uh, with some drugs in proximity to it, that this can be seized. And this is a great source of revenue. So when you see people uh, wanting to conduct raids to see if they can find some marijuana, what's their interest in getting the cash? So those benefits are just on the side of the law enforcement people. But there's also a whole treatment industrial complex. All of these um, drug rehab outfits who usually get their customers because they're court sentences through drug court, they would not be getting customers and all the money if marijuana were made legal. And as it is, they're getting all the referrals under pretty suspicious circumstances because information, even from the Federal National Institute on Drug Abuse, says that the dependence rate for marijuana is about 9%, which is the same as caffeine. Uh, I can speak to the caffeine part. (laughs) And a lot of this is more social dependence. This is not addiction. Yet if someone gets convicted, they may be sent to a residential treatment program to treat a non-existent addiction. But there's cash changing hands. And this is also taking up um, beds and staff for people who genuinely have a problem, say, with meth or cocaine. You know, uh, I think... I think one of the pushbacks from some people would be, yeah, the money, yeah, the cops, yeah, the pro, you know, they, they could, they could buy that. They could buy arguments on that side. But what would always stick with them is this idea. If we legalizing it, we're saying it's okay. There's going to be billboards and advertisements and it's culturally going to be accepted to smoke marijuana. What about the culture angle? Well, You know, after prohibition of alcohol ended in 1933, alcohol is generally accepted. And, you know, different states regulate sales and uh, advertising in different ways. And I suppose the same thing would happen with marijuana. But I think one of the things, Russ, that you mentioned earlier was that more people or younger people are concluding that marijuana is not so dangerous. But I think this is an accurate perception. You know, back when I was growing up, uh, that Reefer Madness film, uh, you go insane if you smoke a joint. Anybody who believed that uh, was buying false information. And I think as marijuana becomes something much more uh, sort of regularized, maybe accepted, like alcohol, it will become no big deal. Now, this is something that adults do. It's there. 
nobody's going crazy, the sky isn't falling. So I think there is going to be a cultural shift, but it's probably a good thing, not a bad thing. Excellent. Inga Frickland is a former assistant state's attorney with the Cook County, Illinois, uh, Chicago area, of course, and now living in Bend, Oregon with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, a fantastic group. Uh, Before we let you go, any last words for the audience? Well, I just hope that Idaho goes the same way as the states surrounding it and what we see coming down the pike in Canada. It's time to quit demonizing marijuana And it's time, I think, for the responsible adults in the community to be the ones making decisions about sales, uh, distribution, uh, rules on sale to kids, rather than leaving everything in the hands of criminals. Uh, It's time for some responsible adult action. Right, right. No matter what you think of pot, why would you let criminals be in charge of it? If you think it's the worst thing in the world, why would you let criminals be in charge of it? Makes no sense. Inga, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right, stick around, folks. We're live from New Approach, Idaho. Joining us next, we'll have Sarah Frank to tell us a little bit about what they're doing here in Idaho and uh, maybe uh, some word on your smokeouts thing you did. We'll talk about that, too. Stick around. It's the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, 
is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Welcome back, everybody. 50 after the hour and joining us here at the New Approach Idaho headquarters, we've got Sarah Frank, longtime friend and great cannabis activist. How are you doing, Sarah? Good, thanks, so, uh, so. All right, we're not ready to end yet. Oh, stop. Stop, you damn thing. There we go. My apologies, everybody. We're on the road. I'm on the remote setup, and uh, things are crazier than I expected. But, Sarah, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So, uh, I'm not sure your affiliation. Are you with New Approach Idaho? I am a co-founder of New Approach Idaho, and then, of course, Idaho Moms for Marijuana. Right on. And uh, living back up in northern Idaho still? Nope. I'm here in Boise now. Okay. So uh, you've got this New Approach petition, uh, and I'm looking around. I'm seeing you know maps and... And figures and everything. Tell us what the new approach petition would do. It would legalize a medical marijuana program for qualifying patients in Idaho, as well as children um, that qualified. It would also decriminalize possession of three ounces or less, as well as possession of paraphernalia, and create an industrial hemp program. Oh, wow. So decrim, medical, and hemp, uh, not going the full way of legalization, but we are talking about Idaho. Uh, so how much is the decrim amount? It would be what is a current misdemeanor right now, which is three ounces or less. Um, that would just be decriminalized to an infraction with no jail time and just a fine. And 50% of all the fines would be dedicated to the Idaho public schools. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Now, the uh, the medical marijuana side of this, I know like Utah and Wyoming nearby did these CBD oil kind of things. Is it one of these or is it better than that? It's better than that. It's a full medical program that allows... Um, I believe it's up to 12 ounces or eight ounces and 12 plants um, and, you know, six mature and six uh, just growing. Wow. That, that's actually, you know, better than a lot of the most recent medical marijuana states. Yes. Um, we looked at all the other states and kind of just came up with our own to, that we thought would be beneficial for the patients here, especially for the ones who had seizures and stuff, because I know a lot of flowers needed to make the oil. So what what are the uh, some of the qualifying conditions? Is it like, you know, the, the big eight, let's see, cancer, AIDS, cachexia, uh, pain, nausea, seizures, spasms, pretty much that list? Yeah, it's pretty much we evolved the Compassionate Idaho petition. Um, and then we included things like PTSD and okay. bipolar and things like that. Um, we want to help our veterans for sure. And we have a good group of veterans here who are pushing for it as well. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you got a signature from everyone in Idaho that slapped a yellow ribbon or a flag on their pickup truck, you'd have all the signatures you need, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> so I uh, want to help the vets with PTSD, with, with uh, these problems, the people with the typical medical marijuana ailments th that exist. Uh, you're going to let them grow, home grow. You'll have a dispensary system of some sort. So a pretty full-featured uh, medical marijuana initiative that we're talking about here. How many signatures do you need to get this on the ballot? We need 47,623 uh, broken up into 6% of 18 legislative districts. We have to have 6% in each of those 18 legislative districts. Oh, my goodness. That's what that map means. Okay. Uh, I was See, a lot of folks, if you don't know Idaho, Idaho is about a quarter million people in the Boise area, 
and about 50, 60, 80,000 in the Twin Falls area, another 100,000 in the Pocatello, Idaho Falls area, and the rest is empty. And so trying to get that many, 6% in each congressional district, that's got to be tough. It's a new rule that they came up with in the last couple of years. I believe the Compassionate Idaho petition was grandfathered into the whole just 6% of Idaho. But now we have to face this breaking it down by legislative district. And they made it just a little bit harder for us. Yeah. So when you're gathering the signatures, do you have to stand on one leg and rub your belly and a bunch of other hoops to jump through too? I'm sure that will be next. <laughs> so uh, you're on the road to 47,000. Let's call it 50 grand. So you need, you know, it's usually a two-thirds uh, uh, validity rate. So you need about seven. 75,000, realistically speaking. What's the deadline? April 30th. Okay, so we've got April, we got March, and we got February. we got three months now to get these signatures. Uh, boy, uh, how can people help out? They can register to vote and seek out a petition. They can print the petition from the website and pass it around to everybody they know and all their friends and go stand in front of a grocery store and collect signatures. And every day that people are gathering these signatures and then working with us to get them turned in and validated, is it all helps. Um, Do you have people in all 18 of these districts? We have people all over the state. Um, I'm not certain on the exact numbers of who's in which district. I know our Sandpoint team hit their 6% um, a couple months ago. So I know there's a lot of people who are out there dedicated to doing it. And if we don't make it this time, we'll do it next time. There you go. And uh, let's see. Also, the, the other side of this would be fundraising. Do you guys have fundraising activities planned, ways for people to donate online or in person? Yes, we have um, online. We have a GoFundMe. They can come down to the office. They can write a check and mail it to the office. Um, we're at 4948 Kootenai, suite, uh, what are we, 104. Um, and then we're also, we've got Boise Hemp Fest coming up in April. That'll be a good fun way to help uh, raise funds for the next petition. It's also a good way, if you haven't signed that petition yet, come down and sign it then. It's our last week and our last push. Um, fundraising, more ideas for fundraising would be, you know, we need... Mainly, we need the people who are invested in this, people who have gone to jail, people who are on probation. There's a way also for people who are on probation and have community service to do to come and help out this 501c3 if they want to help change these laws with their you know, current charges. That's one of my favorite things, folks. If you were busted for weed and part of your sentence is you got to do community service, you can do community service getting signatures to legalize weed. <laughs> that is I don't know if that's irony, serendipity, justice. I don't know what to call it, but I love it. Uh, Sarah, last time I saw your name in the news, there was something about you uh, going to smoke a doob on the Capitol steps on the New Year's Day. How'd that turn out? They wouldn't let me. What? They wouldn't let you? <laughs> I even asked, and they told me they couldn't let me, and that made me wonder why they couldn't let me when they were already going to be citing me for the possession and everything. I didn't understand why not one more charge. So this wasn't a – you weren't surprising them. You let them know. Yeah, we, we invited them down. We worked with the Idaho State Police. Um, we put out flyers for months in advance, and then – it was going to be a big smoke out. Everybody was free to come and have, you know, if they wanted to and felt they wanted to risk that, participate in an act of civil disobedience. And they lined the Capitol with police cars and scared everybody away. And the ones that did show up, I, you know, I said, I'll, I'll just do it. You know, I'll be the one to do it and I'll face this charge. And I actually am also facing another charge as a passenger in a vehicle for possession of my own medicine. So it's, you know, it's time to take these laws to court. So they wouldn't even allow the spectacle to happen, though? 
No, somebody told them, don't let her light that. I felt like I was going to be tackled on the Capitol steps. It was So I just didn't light it, and I just willingly handed it over. So between that reaction and the reaction we're getting today with this, you know, the, the state cops bowing out on the, you know, five hours before the event, it would seem to me that they recognize that they're in a weak position and that any sort of attention to this is going to hurt their cause. Would you agree? Yes, I'm actually a little concerned they're not going to allow me to go to court with this. You know, and <laughs> I want to have this conversation. We wanted to have the conversation with the director of drug control policy and the Idaho State Police and have a two-sided, you know, a debate type thing where everybody can be heard. And now it's just turned into kind of a another pro-marijuana thing because we don't have our antis there anymore. Which is ironic because they complained that the event was being set up as a pro-marijuana thing. Their failure to attend it is what's turning it into a pro-marijuana thing. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's highly amusing, but at the same time, I hope that we are able to figure out a way to have this discussion in Idaho. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on that, and we'll make this discussion happen. But folks, looking at the clock here in the Gem State tells me that we are out of time. Time flies when you legalize. I'm Radical Russ here live from New Approach, Idaho. Before we go, Sarah, any last words or contacts you want to give out? Yes, definitely. LegalizeIdaho.org and check out Boise Hemp Fest. BoiseHempFest.org, LegalizeIdaho.org. Check them both out. And, of course, New Approach Idaho, you can find them on Facebook. I'm Radical Russ everywhere. You can find me. There's no excuse. And if you can't find them, find me, and I'll help you find them. That's all the time we got for today, though. Thanks for joining us. i got to pack up. We're headed to Boise State to do our little event. We'll try and stream it live here on CannabisRadio.com. So tune in in about two hours, and we'll see what happens. For everyone here at New Approach Idaho and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you giant, you own it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you manage.